So we are sitting around a table tonight at Freetail. And if you're familiar with Freetail, it's that little restaurant on your uh, right or left, depending on what side of 1604 you're driving down. But it's 1604 and military. And for the last few weeks, we have not been podcasting, in case you're listening week after week. We've had some technical glitches that have kept us from recording uh, each week's podcast. So for the last three weeks, we've been kind of off, if you will. And uh, we thought, you know what, why don't we get together, sit down, have a discussion about these last three weeks as a way for us to uh, still stay on top of the podcast, uh, but also maybe present this in a different way, in a way that uh, is is a bit, um, you know, uh, conversational about Galatians. And we're going to spend our time getting through the last three weeks that we've missed so that Galatians 5, uh, 5, all the way through Galatians 6, 5. So that entire passage, we're going to go through here tonight, and I'm joined with uh, Daniel and Mike. We're over here at Free Tail. We're sitting outside on the patio, um, just enjoying the the awesome fall weather. We've talked about that earlier, that we started Galatians in summer. Now we're in fall. We're still doing it. Um, so now we've got to uh, we've got to land this plane, if you will. We're getting close to the end of, of the book, and we want to... Um, we want to make sure we don't miss a week and keeping you all informed about what we've been going through as a church in Galatians. So tonight's meant to be conversational. We're going to go through um, a lot of scripture very quickly, though, too. We encourage you um, to, to be reading Galatians. We encourage you to be reading the resources that we send out via email every week. We also encourage you to be uh, thumbing through Tim Keller's Galatians for You, which we recommended as a resource at the, at the start of our study through Galatians. But tonight is meant to be a conversation, and we hope that uh, you enjoy this very first podcast outside the walls of Redemption Hill. So with that, we're going to kick it over to uh, Mike and Daniel and open this thing up for conversation as we get into Galatians 5.5. 5. Hey, What's up, guys? Hello, hello. <laughs> awesome. It's, it's, it's funny because, you know, we sit down and, yeah, we're going to talk through these weeks that we missed or whatever, but it's hard to just sit here and go, right, we're in Galatians 5, 5, let's go. Let's go verse by verse, but we're not... Without yeah. kind of talking about Galatians in general and, um, you know, one of the things, even just uniquely to where we're at in Galatians is the whole first five chapters or first four chapters of Galatians... Paul has been beating this drum of justification is by faith in Christ alone. It's already done. It's finished. You know, the gospel, there's nothing left to do. Um, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And then he gets to Galatians 5, and it's almost like, so then, okay, let's do it. Get busy. Let's do it. And it can feel that way. It can feel a little contradictory. I don't know if you guys have noticed that at all as we've been going through it. Yeah, I mean, and that's, I think, what's been nice to kind of, if you were to sit down and just read, boom, the entire book of Galatians, right, it can be a little overwhelming. And I think that's what's been nice to kind of break this apart. And yeah, it's taken us a while to get through it, but taking it, taking it apart piece by piece, deconstructing it, really letting it kind of resonate and settle in our minds and in our hearts, um, to me, I've, that, that's been really great for, for my walk and just kind of unpacking this piece by piece instead of having to just like, bam, here's Galatians. Swallow this pill. You know, like, uh, it's, a, it's a big pill to swallow. Well, and not just that, but like, 
but if, if we just went to a short passage in Galatians, you would miss so much of the other context. Those are the little juicy bits and nuggets that are in Galatians. Well, and there are some great themes. If you do read the, once we do get to the whole thing, we can look back, right? Like, there's this reoccurring theme of, of justification by faith, but there's also some beautiful themes around love, love for each other, love for Christ, the, 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 the love that he has for us. Um, you, they were no longer bound to the law. I mean, we hear the law come up a lot. There's a lot of discussion about law, right? And faith versus the law. And what is really kind of worth our time? Is, it, is your time worth you know, dedicating yourself to the law or dedicating yourself to, to faith and love, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what he gets to, you know, is that really all that counts is faith working itself out in love. And, and the things that we're about to talk about now in Galatians 5 and 6 that has to be the motivating factor is faith working itself out in love so like all of Paul's letters it basically comes down to now that I've presented the gospel to you in the first bit of this letter now in light of that gospel that you've received by which you've been saved by which you've been justified before God because you no longer have to earn anything from him now let your lives look like this Right, and one the other theme that you see is Paul is calling some people out on their stuff. <laughs> he's not letting anybody off the hook. Every chapter, he's calling somebody out. You know, even in 5, he's talking about, like, you know, you were doing so great. What happened? You know, it's like, you know, and every I think every chapter has this at least one part where Paul's just really part of him. And I think I, he feels frustrated, and I think we've all felt frustrated at one point or another in church frustrated with each other, frustrated with uh, preaching, frustrated with God. I mean, we've all had frustration. And Paul, I think, so he's so honest and so just kind of open his heart and saying, look, man, I love you guys so much. What are you doing? And this is just really almost brutal honesty, calling it, you know, you foolish Galatians and all these things, you know, um, who hindered you from obeying the truth and all, you know. But he's just very, I feel like it's very raw. Paul is not filtered. He's not filtered at all. Yeah, and this isn't like a non-traditional love letter, but that's really what it is. I mean, if you, to write something like this to your brothers and sisters in Christ had to take a lot of courage and it had to take a lot of guts, right? Um, And and coaching or, you know, trying to, trying to, um, trying to, to, to do this in a way that is loving with your brothers and sisters um, has to come out of a place for love. It has to come out of a place for caring about their souls, caring about the way that they're living their lives. I mean, it's it, it definitely is coming out of a place for love, even though you get to some of those those parts that are a little more abrasive, like, you, well, you know. I mean, isn't that part of the application for us, though, that, that we need to receive from something like Galatians, is that that we need to be able to love each other like that where when we have relationship and community which I mean Paul knew these people he spent time part of his life he lived his life with these people he poured out his life for these people even when I mean we kind of even get the the, the, the understanding that he was actually in agony when he was there because of something that was going on in his personal life whether it was some kind of disease or sickness or ailment and yet he still poured out his life for these people. So these are people he knows. They're people he cares about. 
but he cares about them enough to call them back to the truth. And I think we live in a day and an age and a society, especially in Western civilization, where, you know, that's not looked at as loving to, to call someone back to the truth. That's looked at as judgmental. It's looked at as, you know, not being, um, you know, loving. And, but really, it is loving. You know, sometimes, sometimes it's the most loving thing you can do. And, and I think that's the angst. You know, you were talking about Paul, you know, you, you sense this sort of frustration. And I think it's that angst that he knows that a life that's lived apart from the gospel is a life that ultimately leads to destruction. Yeah, and even though Paul is obviously frustrated with what the Galatians are going through and frustrated with the, the decisions that they're making and, and kind of the route and, that they're, they're in right now, um, it, it, with every reproach, with every correction that he's calling out, calling out on them, he is also supplying uh, faith. And he's also supplying a way, a way of course correcting, a way of like... It's not just like, hey, you guys are doing this, this, and this, and this wrong. No, it's like, hey, you're and if doing. If you do this, this, yeah. this, and this, you'll fix it. Right, right. But it's like, you're, this is what the route. You're, you're headed in a bad direction. Come back to this. Come back to this. He's offering that counsel. It's not just like, oh, you bad people, and then just walks away. I'm so, I'm so disappointed in you. With no, with no like support. Like, I feel like he's like. Well, you know, I, he gives them the only support they need, though, which right. is what? So it's not, here's five steps to get back on course. It's yeah, your look best unto life today Jesus. Like yeah, yeah, it, it, it constantly comes back to look unto Jesus. Well, even in, so if, if, if we're going to talk about Scripture, right, in, in Galatians 5.10, his confidence is not in, in their ability to now course correct. He says his confidence is in the Lord that you will take no other view. Yeah. So even in, in his things like I know you're y'all are struggling, you're faltering, you're you know down this slippery path right now. You're following some false teaching. My confidence is really not in you because as soon as we put confidence in each other, we're going to be disappointed with each other. Um, but his confidence is in the Lord. So he's not trusting that that they're going to hear his words and some light bulb is going to click. Yeah. But he's trusting in confidence and faith in God. That Jesus through the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in their hearts. That's good, right? Yeah, that's good. I mean, I mean that points to the whole motivation of Paul writing this letter. You know, it's not he heard this news that they'd fallen into this false teaching, and well, by golly, I'm just going to write him a letter, and it's going to <laughs> wake him up, and they will see the truth, and you know, everyone will clap me on the back. You know. It really was being obedient, and you know the Lord saying, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna use this. You, you write what I tell you to write." And Paul's confidence, not in his own writing, it's not in his ability to persuade, but it's in his confidence is in the Lord, and that through this, God is going to bring them back to their first love, to the gospel, and and to the fact that Christ has done it for them. And in light of that now, they can love each other. They can begin to experience the fruit of the Spirit. They can walk by the Spirit and not by the desires of the flesh.
So I think that's good. And, uh, you know, so just picking up in verse 5, you know, um, Paul says, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And so <clears throat> this really gets to the heart of what he's about to say and everything that's to come is that, yes, I'm going to give you some instruction. Yes, I'm going to give you some practical application for what the gospel looks like on the ground living every day. But know that all of these things I'm about to instruct you in and the way that you should live in light of the gospel is going to come through the Spirit, not through your own effort. And so all the love, all the faith, it's not something you drum up for yourself. It's something that has to come from the Spirit. I mean, how important is that for our lives today? I mean, and, and you know, that the faith that we need for each day and the, the tasks at hand and, and the love that we need to have for each other, it's not something that we have to drum up for ourselves, but here we're being promised that it's actually going to come from God Himself. Well, it certainly takes some of the... I wouldn't say responsibility away, but it, it takes some of the weight away. Oh, you know all that, the weight away. right? <laughs> it take, and that's and I think that's what he's what he's trying to do here too. Yeah. I mean, not that. Um, so our our responsibility in this is um, is really submission. Um, is to is to just kind of. Well, it's to believe. Right. It's to have faith. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean that is that is submission, right? right. Yeah. You've got God. You've got it. You're sovereign. You're in control. Yeah. This is your deal. It's not mine. I can't. You can. Right. That's good. So, you know, so I think that that's so important for, you know, everything that Paul's going to say, you know, and, and so he says, you were running well. Who hindered you? And he's not saying you were doing well. What he's saying is you were believing well, right? He's not saying... You were good little boys and girls. Yeah, you're doing great little events and you're checking right. off things and He's saying you were believing well. Yeah. You weren't you weren't wrapped up in believing that it was up to you and legalism and, Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you were believing well. You were running well. Who who hindered you from obeying the truth? And and again, obeying obeying what? Obeying the truth of what? The truth of the gospel, which is what? Christ has done it. It is finished. Believe and rest in the finished work of the cross. And when we do that, it frees us then to love. It frees us to serve. It frees us to give because we're loving and serving and giving, like you said, Brian, from a place of no pressure, right? Everything I need in Christ I already possess. He's done it for me. Therefore, I'm freed up to love you and to serve you and to give because I don't need anything in return. Right. So I think this is really important. It, it calls us to freedom. Um, you know, Paul kind of gives a little, you know, kind of he just using common sense saying, look, guys, if, if I wasn't preaching this freedom, if I wasn't preaching against this legalism, if I wasn't preaching against circumcision— why are people still persecuting me? But the very fact that people are persecuting me is evidence to the fact that this is the gospel that I'm preaching. Um, 
and then he says in verse uh, uh, 12, which I love, <laughs> I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Um, and uh, I feel like that should be my trump card. I can't get in trouble for anything I say from the pulpit because Paul was basically saying they needed to. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you get the idea. I mean, Ima- Use your imagination. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's Why not do good. I feel like I still have to be polite. I, I hate that. <laughs> Paul's not being polite here. He's no, being no, he's very not. direct, straight to the well, point. That's what I'm saying. It's so raw. I mean, you can obviously tell he's very um, emotional about this. He's very, I mean, this means so much to him. He's so invested in it. And. Um, just, just examining Paul's heart for the Galatians and writing all this to me is also, besides the words that are written, but if you think about what he's motivated by and how much he cares about what's happening to these people, he's not willing just to stand by and let them fall. And it's like, to me, that's a challenge for us as leaders of a church to not be just, oh, well, that person's struggling I'm going to let them do that. I don't want to interfere. I don't want to push myself on them or my own agenda or whatever. But but really it's like, man, what a responsibility that we have to help those that are struggling, help those who have lost their way and not to go after them and rebuke them, but to go after them and love them. Right, I mean, and 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 do and, and be so passionate about it, and so willing to just um, be honest with them, and yeah. you know, well, in yeah. the same view that we get of of family, I mean, that's that's the perspective that we have to have here, and that we love our family so much that we're not going to let our children play in traffic, you know, we're not going to let our um, our brother or our sister. Um, dabble into things that are destructive or or uh, just not they're not edifying so why would we be in why would we let them do that letting them do that letting them can persist in destructive behavior is not loving so can we just get this out of the way then false teaching is destructive it's this this isn't this isn't a game you know and 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 you know part of why we wanted to go through the book of Galatians and part of why I believe this is in the Bible and God allowed it to be there for us is that he knew how fickle we are, he knew how weak we are, he knew that there would be these false doctrines, these winds of doctrine that would come up that would take us away from the purity of the gospel and that it wasn't just a, oh yeah, well you know, they're believing that and it's kind of funny and it's, you know, it's not really the truth, but it's okay. No, it's not okay, it's destructive. And, you know, even if you, even if someone is truly regenerate, truly saved, and maybe they're dabbling and and listening to false doctrine, and maybe their ticket is punched, but what about the people who come after them? There's no guarantee there. And now they are receiving a doctrine. They're receiving a message that doesn't actually lead to true salvation in Christ. Because if it's not Jesus... And that's it. It's not really the gospel. Right. And well, and if it's not the gospel, then it's not the power unto salvation. And so this is this is a big deal. Well, and the thing about false doctrine, so many people think we're like, well, I'm going 
to your church? Why are we talking about false doctrine? Are you giving me false doctrine? I would, and maybe I don't know if y'all agree with me. I think the majority of false doctrine comes from ourselves. Comes from our own thinking, our own way of of sometimes interpreting what the Bible says, or it comes from stuff that we heard way in a previous, you know, a church from three years ago or church when you were growing up, and you're trying to like rationalize scripture that you're reading or, or rationalize things that are happening in your life. I think a, a huge chunk of false doctrine is our internal doctrine. Yeah, absolutely. Right, our internal absolutely. filter that we're putting on the gospel. That we can't just take the gospel for face value that, yeah. hey, Jesus did it all for you. Right. That's no, why no, no, no. sola scriptura is so yeah, important. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and so I think some people here, like, oh, you know, preaching against false doctrine, are like, well, I don't sit under some weirdo pastor that's preaching you know all this crazy stuff i go to redemption hill under solid teaching and it's like no it's it's not so much what preacher are you listening to that's giving you false teaching it's what are you internally realizing about scripture well then right what is your preacher you listen to the most is is yourself yourself. right yeah you're with you with 24 7 365 and 366 and you can even be sitting under a great preacher and not and and be in a place that where you're not really open to hear what's actually being preached what's actually being taught and still applying your own filter and only picking apart the things that you want to hear and the things that you want to apply and to me, when you're doing that, you're setting yourself up for false doctrine as well. Because the, pr- the, the the truth is being delivered to you. The truth is being set before right. you. And you're choosing what you want to receive from that. Right. You're, you're basically creating your own uh, law, if you will, and saying that, you know what, for me, this is the right thing. And for, for me right now, well, you know, God understands me right now. Well, because you I'm, start hearing people say, well, you know, <laughs> I don't believe in a God who fill in the blanks. You know, well, the God you believe in should be the God of the Bible, not the God of your own making. I think it was A.W. Tozer who said uh, that what you think, what you think about God, is the most important thing about you. And it just speaks to the fact that everyone is a theologian. Um, you may not think that you are. You are. The question is, are you a good one or not? And and what. You know, I love what, what Daniel is saying, how we we filter God in our in our own way and we do that through what we've heard, what we've been taught. And so we have to go back to who do I think God is and what do I think he is like and where did that come from? Where did I get that? And if it's not from the Bible, then we've got some work to do. And, and I, I hope, I pray, that's what Galatians has been doing for us over the last, you know, 15 weeks. Yeah, and that's exactly in the way in which the book was written. So if, if, we, if you haven't gathered that by now, what we've been talking about is really the, the essence of, of why the letter was written. Uh, because the Galatians, the church in Galatia, uh, was really being, um, they, were, they were being fooled. They were being um, hoodwinked into thinking that there was something else that needed to be added to the gospel in order for, uh, for them to be in right standing with God. And, um, and Paul is, is sending them a letter in, um, in caution and in warning and, and trying to get them uh, back on the right track. I was hoping we were going to use the word hoodwink tonight. Hoodwinked. Yeah. You like that? That could be the, night, the, 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 the word, word of the, of the night. night. <laughs> um, I, I just want to, I, I don't mean to fixate on uh, verse 12, but something that, 
uh, wasn't even in my notes, but I think came up in the sermon that day, is, I mean, if you think about the practical thing of what Paul's saying here and saying, I wish they would emasculate themselves, really what he's saying is, I wish their power of procreation would be taken away. That they wouldn't be able to spread this, create disciples or followers of this doctrine because it's so destructive. And that, and that's really his prayer is that their um, power of procreation, of, of creating people who are following this false teaching, this false doctrine, would be taken away. Um, unfortunately, it, it, it hasn't been, and, and even today, there are people who are trying to mix the work of Jesus with self-effort and self-righteousness to gain the favor of God and live a holy and righteous life. So um, that's why, I mean, people ask, you know, is the Bible still relevant? Is this relevant to us? It is absolutely relevant because we're still dealing with people who are preaching the message of the Judaizers, even in evangelical churches today, all across the world, really. So, uh, again, this is a call to freedom. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And this is really where Paul turns the corner and starts to give instruction now. Uh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And, and really, everything that he's about to say now, it's not about doing good works to gain favor from God. It's about living a life in light of the gospel for the good of others and for the glory of God. And and so, you know, to the praise of God's glory and his grace that others would, even as Jesus said, right, in Matthew 5, that they would see your good works and what? Glorify my Father in heaven. Uh, and, and yet so often still we want to make the good works about us giving ourselves a pat on the back or patting each other on the back and even as we get into talking about the fruit of the Spirit and all of that, it's a work of the Spirit, by the Spirit, for the glory of God and the good of others. And it has nothing really even to do with us except for, like we've said already, it's about submission and faith and believing and God using, you know, <laughs> uh, as, as a friend of mine likes to say a lot, um, you know, uh, broken vessels like us you know the mundane things of this earth like has nothing to do with us has everything to do with God's glory and what he wants to do yeah that's good and I think this is where you picked up when you took over for Galatians 5 right yeah yeah so we start to get into what what does this really look like right as a community as a community of believers you know he ends it with talking about you know uh I mean, ends that first section, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? And we really start to look at how is this played out as a community? Because it's one thing to take this instruction and apply it to just yourself, but really looking at this as, because he's writing to the Galatians. Exactly. He's not writing to a Galatian, right? right? He's writing exactly. to a community of believers. So, so this is really instruction for a body. A body of Christ and so we have to look at it through that lens so a lot of this instruction that he's given of go and do this and go and do that it's, it's to do it together you're not he's not challenging one person he's saying you group of amazing people 
love each other, be fulfilled in, in knowing that Christ gave his life for you so that you would know his love and that you would share his love amongst each other. And what does that look like? Well, here's some, here's some fruit. If you want to kind of look around and see, are you really kind of getting this? Are you really, is it really clicking? Well, you should see these things in your lives. You should see these things in your home. You should see these things as you interact with each other. Um, looking at, you know, the good stuff on the good side, right? So looking at love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. All those things, they're both internal and external, right? So we have the internal attitudes. So, you know, how we are thinking, how we are, our emotional life on the inside, which directly affects our behaviors with each other and our behaviors with God. So it affects those relationships. So our internal attitude uh, is what affects our relationships, both with each other and with God. And on the flip side of that is the, the fruit of the flesh. I mean, you have the desires of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. So there's also, you can look at yourself and look at your community. And if you see some of these other things, you can kind of say, well, we're kind of rough sexual immorality and jealousy and idolatry and impurity and fits of anger and rivalries and dissension and division right um sounds like my 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 wednesday yeah yeah sure <laughs> or my monday <laughs> i mean except for the first part except for the first half yeah but yeah. yeah and so he he lists these two kind of he has two lists right you have your list of the desires of the flesh and your list of the fruits of the spirit and uh, he points out that these two things are in constant battle with each other there's this constant struggle and the only way we win the only way we have victory is to trust in Christ's victory we can't overcome the flesh we will never ever overcome the flesh on our own no matter how strong you are no matter how um, amazing your character is your moral fiber your just natural goodness can never ever ever overcome the flesh it's well, just not going to happen and I think you, we have a tendency to, to trick ourselves into saying well yes I can and, and I'm even I'm even knocking it out of the park with a few things right now mm-hmm. I'm doing really well I yeah. think the tr- the yeah, the idolatry. Real... I got idolatry under control, man. Yeah, I haven't had idolatry in a long time. I, I beg to differ. <laughs> but it's like it's those moments where um, where you reach that that breaking point. Um, you're you're either going to break and and break big time um, and and lose it all, or you can break in a way that allows you to. Um, allows you to come back, allows you to, to be re, remade and restored uh, by our Savior. And I think we, we kind of get in this, um, in this habit of, 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 of being self-sufficient, and that's, that's a, uh, it's a trick. Like, it's, it's not real. It's, it's, a, well, it's a mirage. I think, I think we, have to get, we have to remind ourselves morality is not the point. Exactly. It's not the point. It's a byproduct. Absolutely. 
of the spirit working in yeah. us. And so, but we want to make morality the point. And that's when we start saying, well, I'm not, I'm not dealing with idolatry. Well, even in that moment, I would almost say you're dealing with self-idolatry in that moment because you're lifting yourself up. Look at me. I'm not dealing with idolatry. Yeah. Well, absolutely. you're worshiping yourself. Absolutely. Rather than saying, my affections are being overrun by Christ. Yeah. You know, um, it, but how, and I, and I can't, I can't say that I'm, that I'm doing that. I can't say that I only want Christ all the time. I want all kinds of crap that I don't need all the time. Yeah. And, but praise God for Jesus that that's not the point. The point is he loved me when I didn't love him. He sought me when I wasn't searching for him. God justifies the ungodly, and I'm one of them. Yeah. Now that we've got that out of the way, and I know that he loves me and accepts me, if I just keep my eyes on that, then the Spirit can begin to produce in me love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and all these things. Right. Um, you know, we want so badly to make morality the point, and it's just not the point. It's not the point. Neither circumcision yeah, and we want and we want to look at it as a list because it, right, he lists his things right. It's like, oh, I'm I'm good there. I'm good there. I'm good there. And really, what the question, the true true question that he's getting at is, who is leading you right now? Who's leading your life? Is your flesh leading your life? Or are you being led by the spirit? What does it mean to be led by the spirit? Yeah, I, would, I right? would take it. I would take it a step further. I'd say who's. I'd say he's saying who's doing it. Because even even if you buckle down, I mean, you even right. talked about uh, this yeah, in yeah, your yeah. sermon. Yeah. Even if you buckle down, I think you said I I was able to listen to both of you guys preach, and you both did a great job. Um, but I think you even said Daniel in your sermon that you know some of us just have a propensity towards being more outwardly Patience loving or, or, kind or outwardly patient or kind to people. And, and sometimes we want to attribute that those are for the spirit. It's not necessarily for the spirit. They're character traits. They're character traits. Who's doing it? If the spirit's the one producing love, joy, peace, and patience in you, then that's the fruit of the spirit. If you just have a propensity towards that or you are buckling down and saying, I'm going to be loving, kind, whatever, 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 that doesn't really count. And, and really all that is is self-effort and self-righteousness, which really is what? It's nothing. It's filthy rags, you know? It's a dung heap, Paul would say, because he loved using that kind of language. Um, so dung heap. So I think, I mean, yes, who's leading you, but I think more than that, who's doing it? You know, where is this coming from? And, and again, that's your, your first point, which is so on target, is that this is, this is a communal letter. It's not an individual letter. And how, I mean, I'm 31. How many years of my life have I read the verses in Galatians and I've read them as, you know, personal application for Mike, you know, blah, blah, blah. And this is a communal deal. And so even in that, you know, again, we need each other even to, sometimes I don't even know. I don't even know sometimes if I'm just being myself and I happen to be loving towards this person because I like them or if this is really the fruit of the Spirit coming. I think... I think we can be deceived. That's kind of what you were saying, right? Yeah, and and I think the the thing that Paul's doing here is he's he's trying to put all of that uh, in perspective and and summarizing um, the the fruit of the spirit in this and that um, 
you know, one of the things that, that I've always read into with the fruit of the Spirit is that um, as I, I would pray specifically for the fruit and not pray for the Spirit. So I would be praying for God, just make, me, good just make me more loving, just make me more patient, just make me more kind. These are the things that I yeah. want. I want those things. Um, is there a checklist for me? Yeah. Right. I right. think you'll love me more. Well, and I'll things get will, more blessings. Yes, yeah. right. And, and life will be well, and, easier. And it's like I need more patience. Right. God, give me more patience. Right. For you. And so again, so again, it's just this this need based. Because you know, apple trees eat their own fruit. Right. <laughs> Rather than saying, God, I just need more of you, yeah. whatever that looks like. Whether that looks like more kindness in my life. Whether that looks like more patience. Whether that looks like more joy. Whatever that looks like. But whatever it is, I need. I just need more of you. Yeah. Right. I think that's really good, man. I mean, you know, we need to be seeking after God, right? I mean, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his Not seek joy his first or seek patience. Like, all these things will be added unto you. Like, in this, again, it's a byproduct. It's a fruit. It is a product of the Spirit at work in you. Seek the Spirit, and these things are going to come. But even when they come, it's not so you can tally them up in your good column, and 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 if you're waiting on that, if you're counting on that, you're you're not in the scope of the gospel. Your confidence is not in Christ; it's in yourself. It's in, you know, the fact that you finally got some fruit of the Spirit. That's dangerous. <laughs> That's why you've got to read the first four chapters of this before you get to chapter five. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, so much of this uh, just builds one on, one upon one on the other, and we would encourage you too that if if you're just kind of picking up with where we are right now tonight, go back, read chapters one through four, um, and help to get some greater context. And if you want to read and then uh, go along and, and download the podcast too, we are um, we do have those up online for you to download and listen to. Um, which I think brings us right around to chapter six and and where I tried to. Uh, th- I, I want to interrupt just real quick because there are two notes I took um, when Daniel was speaking on verses sixteen through twenty six of chapter five that I just I, I have to mention. Um, uh, was it good? It was good. Man. Okay, it was awesome. good. I was like on the edge of my seat. <laughs> being a little too Pentecostal, uh, (laughs) but that's just, you know, who I am. So, um, but I was like, this, this was so good. Um, he said, when we walk in the spirit, it means we are finding satisfaction and pleasure in the desires of the spirit. And I just thought that was so good. Um, you know, Paul's talking about the fruit of the spirit and, and truly the fruit of the spirit, it's not there again to stack up and count up and tally up it's there to enjoy and um even when you said that on sunday i remembered um i uh i was on the golf team my junior year in high school and we used to play uh on this particular golf course in chehalis washington and there was this particular hole that had this like wild apple tree out there that just had the best uh, uh, honey crisp apples uh, on this tree and it was like the best thing ever because it was right at the longest part and we always had to walk you know we didn't get the carts stupid high school kids 
Um, we get to the, it was the longest part, of, hottest part of the day, and we get to the back part of that course, and always just to take a break, pick one of those apples, eat it right off the tree, just enjoy it, right? That's what fruit is meant for, is to be enjoyed, and it's a pleasure. And, and, you know, these are things not that we should be striving for that are causing stress in our lives, but things that the Holy Spirit is producing and it's causing pleasure for us. It's causing pleasure for the people around us uh, because they're tasting and seeing, not that we're good, that God is good um, through what the Spirit's doing in us. And then the other thing, again, to the, the whole communal thing, he said a good barometer or litmus test for if I'm walking by the spirit or the flesh is to look at my relationships. And and that's so good. I mean, you know, I start looking at the relationships in my life, it's gonna be really easy to see am I walking by the spirit or by the flesh. And again, to have community, and if you can't see, ask somebody. Talk to a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ or your wife or or a friend and, and say, What's it like being around me? Is it, is it? And if you have no one to talk to, that means you're not in community. And so you need to reach out and get connected, man. And we can help you with we that. We can help you with that. <laughs> we can help like you're like, well, I don't have anyone to call up right now. Hey, man, let's, let's get let's Step get connected. one. Let's step one. Let's get you connected. Missional community. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go eat together. Have a beer. Well, and that's, that's, and that's where uh, we pick up in, in 612 is to talk about uh, he says brothers, so he starts the whole thing with saying brothers and tone changes. Yeah, a little tone bit. changes. Yes, yeah. yeah. So you he didn't start off with old fools, right? So we're off to a little we're bit off better to a start. much better start. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I've had the chance to deliver uh, both the old foolish and now getting into the brothers. But you know, as we get into this, you know, he is describing a family. He's describing a group of people that are are connected uh, and connected in their commonality, which is Christ and. I love um, how you how you bridge that gap because I, I appreciated that when when you were speaking because I remembered that you were the one that had to do the oh fools and yeah. and and it just was cool when you made that connection that that tone had changed you know he really is speaking to family um, I thought that was really good yeah and and this is um, it's important to know that you know family uh, is an awesome picture for. Um, the type of uh, relationship that we have here. I mean, it's it's this is not a this is not a uh, an acquaintance. This is not even a passing friend or something. I mean, family uh, sticks together through thick and through thin, through uh, the good and through the bad. And you know, I gave the example of my brothers, and you know, brothers fight, brothers uh, quarrel, brothers wrestle, uh, brothers call each other lots of, of of really bad names that we won't mention on the podcast. But at the end of the day, like, no one picks on my, no one else picks on my brother. No one else uh, challenges my brother. We are still brothers, and I love them no matter what. Um, so it, you get this sense of, like, like a brotherhood and that, that you're watching over each other and that you're, you know, this is definitely a close-knit group of people. This is not, uh, it's not just friends. Um, but in that, and he says brothers, and it's almost like, Remember your brothers, and now there's something else that I need to give you as as a as another caution that he just jumps right into, 
and talks about being caught in in transgression and saying like if anyone is caught in transgression you who are spiritual should restore them in a spirit of gentleness um, and you know one of the illustrations I use for being caught in the spirit of transgression you know or being being caught in a transgression is that you know this isn't we're not out to seek each other like you're not right. peering in through windows or trying to find someone you know catch him in a lie catch him gotcha. in a yeah, gotcha moment but really like it's because we're brothers and because we're so close, we are going to be able to see um, through the transparency of our relationships when someone is ensnared in sin, when someone is caught up, when they are entangled um, in something that they have been dealing with. Um, and then saying those who are spiritual and those who are, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who have uh, the ability to discern uh, light from dark and be able to, to speak in a loving way, um, restore them in a spirit of gentleness and gentleness like I think when we when I think about restoring someone or coaching someone um, my first my gut response is like I need to rattle them and get their attention like yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to I need well, like to figure a, like out a football, discipline like a football go, coach go yeah. Bobby Knight on them yeah, go, <laughs> but you like, guys are pathetic get your act together <laughs> yeah. but but I mean how how well would that be received you know well, I mean how, I, I, sorry, I, I so appreciated what you brought in about being ensnared and caught in that. Absolutely. Because well, you talked about like how, how you know, with SeaWorld Rescues, right, and, and something entangled, and it was a great visual of something being trapped in a fisher's net, yeah. right, and having to be careful to untangle and gentle, and because you want to try to rescue that animal right I mean yeah. well the, and the part that I liked about that the most too was that um, in that illustration the dolphin that was entangled in the fishing line can't get themselves out like, right there's nothing they can possibly do well we, we forget that we're still sinners we forget that 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 sin isn't just something we choose it's something that we are right. you know, we don't we don't we're not we're not sinners because we sin we sin because we're sinners right and 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 that part of our flesh doesn't just go away. We're doing great, awesome, thank you. Um, yeah, we're born into a sin nature. I mean, we right, just we right, yeah. but but we forget that, and when it comes to other people, right? And that's where the caught thing <laughs> yeah. really got me, because the first thing I thought of was uh, the woman caught in adultery right. when that came up, right? And the the Pharisees. You know, and, and yeah, we that can was a be different kind of caught. <laughs> but we can be so like that. Yeah. You know, okay. and, and if we hear this in the wrong context, we almost think that it gives us permission to be like those Pharisees. But in reality, it's a reminder to us that we're the woman and don't be the Pharisees. Right. You know, and then even there, what did Jesus do? He restored her in a spirit of gentleness. I wouldn't say that. Neither do I condemn you, you know, go and sin no more. And, and it wasn't, again, it wasn't that Jesus thought that somehow she was going to be able to buckle down and yeah. be perfect for the rest of her life. Um, but he was saying, again, your morality is not the point. My love for you is. Right. You know? yeah. and, and that's what we need to remind each other of when we restore each other. Again, what are we, what are we restoring each other to? We're restoring each other to the gospel restoring each other, reminding each other that we are loved and accepted in Christ and these things that we are 
caught in and ensnared to because of the desires of our flesh, we don't have to be caught and ensnared in them anymore the way that we are. You know, even if we battle, even if we do get caught or hung up or whatever, we're here to help cut this away. Let's remove this. Let's keep going. Well, it's let's us. Let us keep going, right? Because the whole the whole idea, the whole theme in this first part is to bear one another's burden. And I love that illustration that, that uh, Brian used when he had, you know, him and... Uh, the guys pick me yeah, up. Yeah, pick you up, you know. And, <laughs> well, what would it... So... I was a little afraid. Yeah, I mean, one person trying to lift another person is, is tough. Two people lifting one person is easier. Three people is even easier. Five people is even easier. I mean, so the more people that you have in your life that you can trust, and, and honestly, it does come down to trust, right? You trusting Mike. Mike was going to trust these two guys to lift him up and not break him, you know? And but more than the trust that we put in each other is the trust that we put in Jesus. Well, right? That 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 He's the one who sovereignly placed these people in my life to begin yeah. with. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what we have to believe. Yeah. We have to believe that God yeah. has surrounded us and placed us around people for a reason, for a purpose, for His, you know, divine purpose, for His will, you know, and 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 it's for our good. You know, I, one of the things that drives me nuts, and, and I've been hearing a little bit about it lately, but, you know, especially, you know, uh, Christians who are in the limelight of whatever, whether it's a pastor, it's a sports star, a, you know, a Christian artist or whatever, you know, and it's like their whole life is a fishbowl. And then as soon as they go through any kind of crap or, you know, the crap hits the fan in their life, whether it's you know, a, a, a moral failure or, you know, marriage problems or they're going through a divorce or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, respect my privacy. Right. You know, and it's this complete sort of like pulling out and away from, it seems, community and accountability and whatever. And it's like, when I had all my stuff together I was okay with being in front of everybody and and being vocal about my faith but now that I've taken a hit I'm gonna seclude myself until I get my crap together again and and that's just not what we're called to I mean when 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 the crap hits the fan in my life I I pray to God that you guys are there to grab me and, and pull me out of that and not let me go do that right you know because I will, I'll go hermit crab myself up <laughs> in a hole. Yeah. Um, and and we need each other, and we shouldn't allow each other to do that. I mean, I understand people need privacy. You got to work through stuff. Not everything should be a, a public book, but but it, when honestly, we need each other yeah. the most is when it's not going well, and not that, when it is. That's like the one of the biggest traps you can fall into, is that when you fall, when you um, are trapped in sin. One of the biggest mistakes you can make is to recluse yourself, hide away, feel ashamed, feel like you can't go to anyone because you're so ashamed and, and, and filled with guilt and filled with all these things. And it keeps you in that place. And that is the worst thing you could do is to shelter yourself and blockade yourself and not, not let anyone in because... Um, 
you're not going to be able to get out of that hole by yourself. Well, you you feel un, unlovable, yeah. and you forget that you are the beloved. You Absolutely. know, you forget that you are loved in in big ways, not just by the the people that are a part of of the family of God here, but by God Himself. I mean, you yeah. you just forget that yeah. that you are. Uh, you are loved and you're covered by the blood. And I am my beloved and he is mine. His banner over me is love. Yeah, and I'm, I'm still welcome at the table. I mean, we used to sing that song. I think it's out of Song of Solomon, isn't it, or something? I mean, it's this huge love letter. But then it even says, like, he brought me to his banqueting table. You know, that, that God, God still accepts us at the table and we need to accept each other at the table. In fact, the only time... I think it's in 1 Corinthians. The only time Paul gives instruction not to eat with someone is when it's a believer who's unrepentant about open sin. Or if they're vegan. I don't trust yeah. I don't, I don't, trust, <laughs> I don't trust vegans. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry for the vegan listeners on the podcast. Don't eat with Daniel. JK. But, but, <laughs> Sure. There's some good Jesus-loving vegans out there. Daniel. I guess <laughs> they're not from Texas. Well, you know, and let's and let's talk about that too. Just being around the table, because one of the things that we did to help kind of summarize this this week was to look at the necessity for community and how we've made that really central to what we're doing here at Redemption Hill as being in community because. You know, it's inside community where you're going to find that familial relationship, that brotherhood, that that sense of 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 of, uh, of being able to be transparent with people, being able to open up your life to people, and having them speak into your life, uh, being able to share in uh, joy, be able to share in love, um, all of those things that we can we can do as a community together. Um, and it's why if you are listening to this and you're not, if you if you wonder, I think I'm in community, you're probably not in community. Um, <laughs> if, if you're questioning that, probably not in community. Um, and and we want you to we want you to be confident in that. We want you to be uh, sure that that you're plugged in. And um, and we all kind of get in the busyness of life and and things come up on our calendar and you know what's important to understand is that once you are into community family understands that and not only does family understand that but they they will be able to see in you uh, things without you even um, having to articulate it they'll be able to read it on your face like something is off something is wrong Uh, being there on Sunday and being around the family those things like that that's that's so important for our spiritual health, and I think we don't we don't think about that as being important to our spiritual health. I think we look at, at the things that we can do, um, our attendance, our prayer life, all those things. We don't take into account how other people play into um, our spiritual health. It's good. I I don't want to steal your line. I'm sure you're waiting to pull it out, but uh, something you said that really hit me. Um, on Sunday was Christ is using a person to make himself personal to you or to someone else. And I just thought that was so good, man. I mean, I think that's when you were talking about uh, how that when when we bear each other's burdens in love, we become an incarnational apologetic, and that's kind of how you describe that. And I thought I thought that was so good, you know, that 
you know, um, God is in his grace surrounding me with people who have the spirit of God in them who are Christ to remind me that Jesus is Emmanuel he's God with me you know he's he's God with flesh and blood clothes on who moved into the neighborhood he's incarnational and and um, and not only that that I can be that for other people too and and not just when I'm knocking it out of the park but even when I'm struggling um, sometimes sometimes maybe even more than I mean right. especially when some sometimes the people that have the most to offer are the ones who are the most afflicted yeah I, I heard someone say once uh, when I was listening to Christian radio that um, more often than not it's our it's not our um, it's not our actions that show that we're Christians it's our reactions that, that show more about us yeah, as good. as believers um, it's the way that we respond to things it's the way that we run to Jesus when things um, not just when things are good not just in our actions but in our reactions and the way that, that we respond to you know when when it hits the fan and um, and when times get tough and when we need answers and when we have questions and um, the, not not just the hard times but the in-between times and the good times you know it's, it's the way that we respond to, to life Amen It's good man Yeah Well this has been uh, right at 57 minutes of fun Perfect So we're going to wrap it up just here before an hour Any final thoughts guys before we conclude on this podcast? Oh man I'm not done I'm not done Um I think mine I think, has forty-two more pages of notes. I do, That's I do. Um, I think you you ended uh, last week um, talking about how we so easily compare ourselves to each other. Yeah. Um, and uh, verse uh, three: For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Verse four: But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not in his own neighbor. For each of us will have to bear his own load. And, as you were talking about that um, and how that we do compare ourselves to each other, um, I, I personally was convicted and, and reminded of uh, when Jesus talks about the tax collector and the Pharisee praying in the temple at the same time. And the Pharisee's over there and he's praying, God, thank you that I'm not like that tax collector over there, that <laughs> scumbag, you know. And, and just literally comparing himself to that guy and, and thinking that he has weighed himself in the balances and, and come out good, you know. Meanwhile, the tax collector is over there, and he doesn't compare himself to the Pharisee. He simply throws himself at the mercy of God. And he says, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. That's good. And, and Jesus says that the... the tax collector went away justified and the Pharisee did not um, that and and basically the idea is that the Pharisee's reward was everything he had earned for himself which was everything that was temporal it was the notoriety that he had got for being good in this life and that is not what counts in eternity and I was just really hit with that and and I just wrote down here 
that uh, the measure of our worth is found in our identity, n not by what we have done, but because of what Christ has done for us, making us sons and daughters. We didn't make ourselves sons and daughters. All we have is to throw ourselves at the mercy and the grace of God. But when we do, we find out that He is actually merciful and gracious, and He adopts us, uh, not because we're lovable, but because He is love. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I think in closing for me, I think I just I just love the theme of of as you read these scriptures, as you listen to these words, that um, you listen to it in the scope of being in community. You know, being it that this is not meant just for you to um, take on yourself and challenge yourself to be a better Christian and have a better walk of faith, but rather it's a challenge to go out and find somebody, connect with others, connect with the body of Christ, and in doing so, the byproduct of all this stuff is love and faith and, and beauty and patience and kind. I mean, it, go it's, go it's, after Jesus together. Yeah, go after Jesus. Go together. after the Spirit together. Yeah. Go after the Father together, yeah. and and find how He adds everything else yeah. to you, and and then and then just revel in that. Yeah. Revel in that when He does it for each other. Revel revel in it when when you taste and see that God is good through the people that, that he's placed in your life as you as you go after God together and find that he's been going after you all along. And I think one, one thing that you'll find when you do that, when you go after uh, Jesus together, is that when you see him working in the life of your brother or your sister, um, you get to you get to have a like a first row view like yeah, you you're yeah. right there it's in the well, at the so front of the action how awesome it's is so that? encouraging yeah. like to, if you really want to amplify your own faith watch what Jesus is doing in others and and not not with the thing of like oh well wow I wish I had that but rather than just like revel in it and be so proud of what God is doing yes. in the lives yeah. of your friends let you it know? let it lead you to worship yeah right like doxology. That, that these things would cause us to praise and worship the glory of His grace. Um, that's, that's, that's what it's all about. Amen. That's what it's all about. And that's going to wrap it up for us tonight here at Freetail. Um, we've enjoyed being around uh, the table and being able to talk about the last three weeks here at Redemption Hill. We invite you to continue to listen to the podcast and let us know. If uh, you listened to this and you thought, hey, that was pretty cool, I'd like to hear more, or I'd like to um, be a part of the conversation sometime, uh, we would love to get some feedback from you on what you thought of tonight's broadcast. So on behalf of Mike and Daniel and uh, myself, I think uh, that's going to wrap it up for us. We will see you on Sunday morning at Redemption Hill.